This is a special edition of the Herman Cain Show, the State of the Union. This hour, it's highlights, analysis, and your calls and reaction in a special roundtable format. Joining Herman is the roundtable moderator, Chris Chandler. All right, folks, S-O-T-U plus one. My name is Chris Chandler, and starting right now, we are on our network of Cox Media Group radio stations, WSB Atlanta, WOKV Jacksonville, KRMG in Tulsa, WDBO Orlando, and WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Depending where you live, of course, this is the time you normally hear Herman Kane or Mark Hay, but we thought it would be fun here to kind of get everybody together, have a free-for-all to discuss, analyze what we heard last night, predict what may happen next. Neil Bortz, if we can get our uh, FISA warrant to track down his RV in Florida in the next half hour. Dana Lash here in just a second. Mark Hay coming up, but first Herman Kane, who was there last night. And Herman, I'll tell you, uh, any president has got to be a thrill. Super jealous. Tell us what it was like. Instead of just being able to see the energy on your TV set, which many of us have done many times, you could actually feel the energy in the room by actually being there. A lot of the applause, a lot of the standing you could really see that it was spontaneous because you wanted to be a part of it. I clapped so many times, Chris, that my hands were hurting. Oh, we don't like that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was uh, it was electric. And I got to tell you, one of the things that consistently gave you chill bumps being in the room was when the president humanized the spirit of America by introducing war heroes, uh, civic heroes, first responders. I got to tell you, that brought the spirit of America uh, right to the speech, and I thought that that was a great touch. You say spontaneous. It's expected that each party will either sit on its hands or, or jump up to applaud like it's a Bob Hope a monologue, you know, at every applause line. You say spontaneous. Did it feel real to you? Was there, was there real tension? That It felt real to me because, first of all, there weren't many surprises in the speech because, as you know, many people in the media have gone out of their way to try and overanalyze what he's going to say. We knew he was going to talk about some of the accomplishments relative to the economy. We knew he was going to talk about some of the priorities such as immigration and the military. We knew that we expected that. But, yes, it felt spontaneous, and I, I was a part of it because there were times when he would say something that re resonated that you just felt like you either wanted to stand or applaud and then you looked at the other side meaning the democrats where they weren't even responding to things like we ought to salute the flag we ought to respect the national anthem and we ought to recognize our motto in god we trust how can you possibly be against those patriotic things but they demonstrated that they had the ability to not move even when the president said those things bob ho by the way was a comedian for you youngsters back when herman and i and shaney b were young much younger right <laughs> dana last joins us now dana the dana show every day right here so dana follow me here high concept question to start you off all right Mm -hmm. So yeah. Herman, Herman saw a stage show. Herman saw the live performance. The, the Super Bowl is not a football game. It's, it's a TV show. This last night, for the 30 million people or so who saw it in their, in their living rooms or on their iPad screens, this was a, a TV show. It even had, you know, the A plot, the B plot, the C plot, the A plot, the suspense, will he stick to the script? Uh, you know, the B plot, the comic relief, uh, somebody gets Denny Hoyer on X-Lax, you know, uh, even had the, the C plot, uh, how sullen does Melania really look? And don't tell me you folks didn't check. This is a TV show, so review for me the actual performance art TV show part of this. 
Oh my goodness. Well, Chris, it's good to talk with you this morning. And I, I could feel, you know, Herman could feel, he could feel the energy while he was there in the chamber watching, but I, I could feel some of it through my television. And you can definitely measure that now because if you look at the polls as to how Americans have viewed and how they're reacting to the president's State of the Union speech, the thing that got me, Chris, this is from a TBS poll. And I went and looked at the crosstab data and it's actually a, a, a pretty fair sample size. 72% of independents liked it. They approved of it. 72% of independents. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that because that's, that's, huge, the coveted, that's the coveted demo that all politicians go for every single election. That's enormous. And there's a, a bunch of other data to get into. But in looking at the State of the Union last night, what I, I think the, the big takeaway line, there, was, there were a couple of really huge moments. The first one when, was when Nancy Pelosi refused to clap for anything and she turned herself into a meme and it went viral. Um, the second was the Congressional Black Caucus, apparently they don't like record low unemployment across every demographic, including black unemployment, female unemployment, etc. And then there was the the really inspiring moments. I thought the way that the president started the speech off was smart. I thought the whole speech um, was really put together well. So kudos to whether it was the president who contributed or wrote it himself or whether it was the speechwriter. This is one of the more better organized and well-written speeches I've heard in some time. And I like how he started off incredibly positive and, and, and began acknowledging all of the heroes and the middle-class Americans in the room. He hit tax reform hard. I think that was the biggest point of his speech. That's what Republicans are going to be running on coming up in midterms. And he really sold the tax. I think he, he sold the tax reform plan last night. In fact, the one thing that I that I actually hung back on when the president was talking was when he talked about infrastructure. You know, conservatives are still smarting after two failed stimulus plans from the Obama administration. But when but Trump, I think, did a better job at selling infrastructure spending than Obama ever probably could. Maybe it's because really he knows got, how he knows how to build stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big difference because you got a guy who never worked in the private sector and a guy who like worked his whole life in the private sector, and there's a big difference there. The big line, though, I think the big takeaway line was. Americans are dreamers too. Yes, that was a huge line. And when he noted um, uh, the officer who adopted the infant of a drug addicted mother, and just and showed, I think how cynical and how hopeless Democrats can often be when viewing life and when viewing pro life issues. And when he showed um, uh, the the gentleman who had hobbled for miles on crutches to flee North Korea, and as he was as he was working his way towards freedom, that was an important reminder of the threats that exist outside the United States. And it's important to remember why we have to be so vigilant about preserving liberty here in the United States. It was a red flag as to what 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 can happen, what a country can become if its citizens aren't vigilant. That was a huge moment, and he raised the crutches up in the air. Um, he hit every point, and I love the fact that he he hit hard on terrorism i love that he mentioned rules of engagement Chris, and, and that's been a huge point for me um for years easing back on rules of engagement uh general james mattis became my best friend forever he doesn't even know it we're best friends because he <laughs> he and the president immediately talked about rolling back rules of engagement and stop encumbering our soldiers when they're you know when they're on the front lines with having to think every time they squeeze a trigger are they going to face a court martial um that was huge um and, and so many things that he hit but i love that his language was blunt I love that. I thought his tone, though, was right. And he didn't back away. You know, you can still be about unity and you can still call for bipartisanship while simultaneously holding your ground and your principles. And that's what he did. And I think that's what all conservatives, all Republicans need to do going forward. You can still be unifying, but you can also stand for your principles. And you don't have to walk them back because you think you have to in order to reach across the aisle. You convince them to come over to your side. You don't go over to their side as a way to to to, to have that, that distance. And I, I, so I thought it went really well last night. And 
polls reflect that today. It's 11.15. You're listening to our State of the Union recap roundtable. Free for all here. Danny, you mentioned these polls. Here are a couple. That CBS News poll, uh, 75% of the people they surveyed that had seen the speech or heard it approved of the speech, as you say. Uh, down a little lower, this is, of course, people who watched the speech, which were more likely to be Republicans, which were more, were more likely to be supportive. But that high number of independents who approved is the key there. And a CNN poll, 48% of those who had seen it viewed it very positive. The CNN write-up here is one, uh, you know, this is the lowest ever, blah, blah, blah. It was lower than last year. But by Trump standards in particular, that 48% is a pretty good number. That is a very good number, if I may interject. And I want to pivot off what Dana said about her 72% and about the 75% that you indicated. That tells me, and it confirms my suspicion, the Democrats are continuing to dig a hole that they can't get out. The American people are starting to ignore their crap. And the independents are the ones that are going to move toward recognizing results. And all of the stick in the muds that sat there last night, they're going to continue to dig that hole. So I'm encouraged by those stats that you and Dana gave because of the American people are not stupid. And they're starting to show it. And that's the group that we can save. We can't save everybody. But we can save the savable, and I think that's what those statistics indicate. Mark Hayes live uh, from Jacksonville. Hey, man, thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting me drive here for an hour so we can get everybody together. This is the <laughs> Chandler Facebook focus group, and I'm sure everybody who woke up this morning and had a look had this same thing. My aunt, Janice, I'll give her the credit. I hope it's not a sign of weakness to be already crying in this SOTU speech. She was very moved. My friend who I met at a party once, Billy Jones, many years ago, I didn't make it five minutes into the State of the Union before I wanted to vomit. There, Mark Kay, I think, is the state of our union. Did anything happen last night to move that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think it made Republicans more Republican and Democrats more Democratish, which is a horrible thing to be, number one, and I feel bad <laughs> for all those people. But, you know, it, it was a great speech from beginning to end. And I, I watch on NBC because I always like to see what the enemy's saying. I never watch on Fox News. I go right to NBC or CNN just because I want to see how they spin it. And, it was, you know, Megyn Kelly was was struggling for something negative to say. And you know she was spending the entire 80 minutes trying to come up with something negative to say, but even she couldn't do it. Uh, you know, Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, who never says anything nice. Well, that didn't say anything nice, but didn't say anything really horrible about it either. And that's after the president called him a monster to his face in that lunch yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean I'm not, I'm not going to take sides on that, but I'll be honest with you, I'm more on the president's side. I know Herman was there, and the energy in the room was phenomenal. You know, I was in my room, which is like being in the chamber, except... I get to drink wine, eat cookies, and sit in my underwear. <laughs> but as I was watching on television, I, you did notice that there was a connection to the Republican Party that you didn't expect. And I think a lot of Republicans didn't know, didn't expect either. They didn't see it coming. When, when he pointed out Steve Scalise, and Steve Scalise was, you know, giving the double thumbs up to, up to Donald Trump, I think that really drew in a lot of doubters to the president's side. And yes. even though there's still going to be some never-Trumpers in the Republican Party, I think they realize that this is the man that's going to get all of their agenda items through in the next three years. All right, guys, Dana's got to leave us after this segment, so let's give her the last word here, Dana, about 30 seconds. Well, and I 
I think that anyone who, because I know during the primary, everybody was throwing fists and, and everybody was quite divided. But I don't know that anyone at this point in time during the president's term can say that they're not getting that which they want. Um, I, I think that, you know, I only have a couple things to check. And this is just in the president's first term. I mean, he gets national reciprocity through and uh, you're going to see one happy camper over here in Dallas, Texas. But I, I, you, I mean, the polls speak for themselves. People are responding so well to this. And Herman had on something that I, I want to touch on as I leave here, that, you know, the president really made the tent really big under the Republican Party by appealing to those blue-collar Democrat voters. And he is continuing to attract them, and he is retaining them, and that is what these polls show. It is big trouble for Democrats coming up in midterms. Dana Lash, host of the Dana Show every day right here. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Good to be with you guys as well. All right. Herman Cain, Mark Kay to continue here. My name is Chris Chandler, Neil Bortz. In the next half hour, this is our State of the Union recap and roundtable and free for all still. A lot to talk about, including we heard from Nancy Pelosi this past hour with her review. You can probably take a guess, but we will discuss that as well. Stay with us. I found it liberating. It freed me of my personal thoughts about the president and said, this is so much bigger than that. None of us can afford the luxury of um, minor disagreements. This is very major. That is our House Democratic leader, Nancy Pelosi, of course. My name is Chris Chandler. This is our special State of the Union roundtable, free for all. We're on WSB in Atlanta from where I'm speaking, WOKV in Jacksonville from where Mark K is speaking, KRMG in Tulsa, WDBO in Orlando, and WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Herman, I got some input just a few minutes ago from Jamie Dupree to come off that Pelosi soundbite. And Jamie says, this is a reminder of how difficult Democrats found it to deal with Ronald Reagan. Trump is able to talk over them. Just look at that CBS poll, Jamie says, that we mentioned in terms of approval of that speech. Democrats were gritting their teeth. They still are this morning. He's exactly right. The difference between now and Ronald Reagan's era is that Trump has leveraged the use of social media. That is a good thing. You have more conservative voices on the Internet than were available back then. So that's why the president is able to leverage his voice over theirs. And I got to tell you, the Democrats in a whole, like I said, and being in that chamber last night, I came to another conclusion that I did not anticipate prior to being actually at the State of the Union. I've talked about Trump derangement syndrome being a sickness based upon the Democrats reaction last night, based upon some of the things that Nancy Pelosi has said. They have now demonstrated that it is a mental disorder, and I believe that's going to hurt them, not only this November, but in 2020. Mark, hey, we uh, talked about the TV show aspect of this earlier. People look at that stuff. They remember those sour faces. They really do. Yeah, I mean, a picture says a thousand words. So how many thousands of negative words were said about the Democrats last night? And I'm ashamed of you, Herman. You should have yelled at them to get up out of their chairs. Uh, no, I wanted them to look like anchovies, so I didn't oh, say right. Reverse <laughs> psychology. All right, so we will continue. Neil Bortz is coming up uh, from his RV. I'm told he might actually be driving. Very dangerous. We want to hear from him. Mark K. Herman came to continue. I'm Chris Chandler. Another half hour coming up. The applause line for President Trump's first State of the Union address delivered last night to a TV audience that will probably be about 30 million people. That is the norm. Right now, this is our special State of the Union roundtable and free for all. My name is Chris Chandler. We're on our network of Cox Media Group stations, WSB in Atlanta, WOKV in Jacksonville, KRMG in Tulsa, WDBO in Orlando, and WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. We have a cast of characters here, and I'm in a terrible position. Shaney B and I in the break were discussing what order should we go in with our 
esteemed guest, because depending where you live, right now is the Herman Cain show. Well, it's his show. He should be first. It's the Mark Kay show. Well, Mark Kay should be first. It's Neil Bortz. Well, this used to be my show, so he should be first. So I think we're going to go alphabetically. Neil Bortz, where are you? Uh, I'm in the Bortz bus. On the oh, road. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and you're driving? I heard you were driving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this morning, this morning I had an owl sitting on my shoulder. Oh. Uh, yep, I was uh, pointing out field mice for him. We have had in Georgia a series of actual <laughs> three-foot-tall owl attacks, which Herman has probably heard about. So that is no, that's no laughing matter. That's nothing to mess with. Wow. Well, three foot, I'm, look, I'm twice the size of a three-foot <laughs> You foot are. Owl. I'm you not are. worried about a three-foot owl. <laughs> you now, are. Nancy Pelosi, did you see the expression on her face last night? I did. I we did. did. You know, I don't, I don't care did. how bad things are in your life. You are not Mr. Pelosi. Nope. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> not kind. Uh, I, bet he's I think she defined she has consistently over and over and over, Neil, defined the face of the Democrat Party today. And it's only getting worse. And why did they let that continue, guys? Well, Power. I believe she knows, let me give it. she knows where the skeletons are. She knows where the bones are buried, metaphorically speaking. And uh, you, you build that much. She's kind of like a female J. Edgar Hoover. She can destroy any career in the house she wants to. That's why she stays in power. There's a joke in there somewhere about J. Edgar Hoover being a female at times, but you guys carry on. We'll ponder it later. Well, well <laughs> and here's the other reason. She controls the money as the, as the minority leader. She has built up a huge war chest, and all she has to do is to say to one of her Democrat constituents, when you run, we're not going to give you any money. That's the leverage she holds over most of them. But some of them have enough money in their own war chest. They don't care if yeah. she threatens them. That's how she stays in power, and that's how she tries to keep them in line. But some of them are breaking ranks. Mark, hey, let me read this to you. Uh, this I, is. I got a question. I got. Oh, go ahead, sir. Okay, I thought that marvelous Mad Maxine Waters was going to deliver through the response last night. What happened to that? No, this is interesting. They had five different responses yeah. <laughs> this is no this is an interesting demographic thing they broke this down uh by by audiences by ethnic group uh by geographical region and so forth there wasn't one like it's been you know for 60 years they actually had five different responses and i think hers may only ha have gone out to, on one channel the bet channel hmm. yeah her her response was only televised to people in section eight housing think about it I'm thinking. About it. I'm trying to think of a clever silence response. Falls. All right, I'm silence trying to think of a clever response, but I don't have one. <laughs> Let me read this to you guys, and you guys I am still the king. <laughs> it used to be his show, right? It used to be. Yeah, it, it will always be Neil Bortz's show. I just like that's right. Out. Mark, you jump in right. here. Let me read this to you. This is from uh, sure. Eric Erickson's uh, Resurgent.com, and uh, this was written yesterday before the speech. But he he predicted we'll go through all the pomp and circumstance America has to offer as a republic. And by Friday, we'll be on the latest mean tweets. The speech will be all but forgotten and its agenda ignored. There's every chance of that, and it's particularly if this uh, memo is released. Well, it depends I, I on who you're. It is. 
Yes. It's yes. A, it depends on who you're talking to, too. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking to the media, of course, they're going to try their best to bury it. They're going to they're already glued to Donald Trump's Twitter just waiting for it. It doesn't even have to be a mean tweet. Any tweet at this point will do the trick. They'll throw the uh, they'll throw the scent off. But the next speech, the next rally that Donald Trump has during the summer, the next time he's you know speaking about you know, something that happens in the United States, the next he's got three more of these to give. There will always be a chance for him to rally America back together in the base. The 75 percent on CBS who approve and the people have been leaving us open mics all morning saying Trump it up and, you know, God bless America. And this is the Trump I voted for. They're not going anywhere. And the media reporting on a tweet is not going to change a thing for them. It's going to make the media and the Democrats happy for a while. But this this sentiment that Donald Trump brought back to the House that Herman experienced firsthand, that doesn't disappear because of Twitter. No. No, not at all. Well, and he can I, damage I, it with a few stupid tweets. I wish yeah. somebody would take that away from him. Well, no, he needs to keep the, the ability to tweet. He just needs to not say some of the things like you've indicated. I don't agree with everything that he puts out there. I don't always agree with his style. But, man, you got to love the substance. That's what I think all of the response was last night during that uh, State of the Union address. Hey, Herman, did you go to the Christmas party this year? Nope, didn't go. I was I had to do a radio show and I had a conflict, so I did not go. Were you invited? Yes. <laughs> that, I got of it. course. I got invited, but that's what surprised me. Yeah. Well, that twit Hannity said he was going to get me an invitation, and uh, that's the last I ever heard from him. What an ingrate! My you can't trust that guy. Me. That's a hashtag fake news. That's that's what that is. <laughs> but I got to tell you. The Democrats, look, people are going to stop talking about the Democrats' reaction from last night. It is established based upon the polls that uh, Dana mentioned earlier, uh, the one that Chris mentioned. I got a feeling that that is wearing thin. Go all the way back to Jonathan Gruber when he got caught on a mic saying the reason that they were able to shove the unaffordable care act down our throats was based in large part because of lack of transparency and the stupidity of the american people the democrats are still operating on that basis but it's wearing thin and i don't think that they can depend upon the stupidity especially the people in the middle in order to get them over in this november or the following election and it's a lot it's a lot easier to and i don't know if this is an indictment or a compliment it could be either or even both it's a lot easier to rally around this lofty uh rhetoric that we heard last night than it is to argue you know for the vast majority of the public than it is to argue about dueling memos that most people have no clue and don't understand it and well, listen, don't have listen, to guys here's something else the american people are becoming very very aware of and that is the democrat party is absolutely more concerned about the rights or the non-rights of immigrants especially illegal immigrants than mm-hmm. they are of people who were born raised and have loved and supported this country since they could even think about it. For the Democrat Party, immigrants are the most important thing in the world to them, legal or illegal citizens or non-citizens, and they put them over and above American citizens every chance they get, and the American people are starting to see that vividly. And they do that because they're trying to establish another dependable voting block just like they Amen. have 
kept a lot of the blacks on the Democrat plantation. Yes, I said it, Mark. They kept a lot of blacks on the Democrat plantation by not telling them the truth. They want to be able to put a feather in their cap about getting amnesty. That's all they want. They want amnesty, and they keep moving the goalposts. This is why it's going to be very difficult to get any kind of agreement during 2018. I got this from Jamie Dupree on that exact subject. Uh, he he watched the immigration part of the speech last night, the reference to the to the gang members at almost the same time as the uh, grand unity offer of a compromise. Jamie says the immigration plan from Trump is evidently not acceptable to a number of Democrats. We could see that very sullenly last night. Jamie says, well, that might be their best offer on DACA. So, you know, did any of that from either direction, the harsh or the lofty, make any difference last night, say next week at this time? No, you know, not in my opinion. I don't think it makes any difference. Look, give it a week. Give it a week. Yeah, yeah. And the Democrats will still be out there trumpeting that same old rhetoric as to why President Trump's proposal and outline is not good enough. It's going in the wrong direction. Let me tell you they something. Don't I was ex- they don't have anything else. No, I was don't. extremely offended extremely offended personally when Nancy Pelosi stood up and said President Trump's latest proposal is just another way to make America white again. There they go. They're trying to use race. How about when Nancy Pelosi said that Donald Trump's proposals uh, violate her exact words, violate the rights of illegal Immigrants. Yeah. Now, right. Think about that one for what a while. What rights do they have? <laughs> <laughs> Illegal. They don't have uh, any rights. They have, a, they have a right to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Poor Mr. <laughs> Pelosi. <laughs> P.M.P. But it just shows yeah. how disconnected they are with the American people. Neil, talk about the speech, the way it was written. Now, we're told that President Trump uh, had uh, the last rewrite on the way back from Switzerland, and it was kind of a committee effort. But as uh, so often, uh, young Mr. Miller, probably the primary author, uh, you know, dude may be crazy, but he's, he's a hell of a speechwriter. Well, I, I think it, it was a good speech. It, so many State of the Union speeches. And, Herman, don't you hate how long you have to sit there with your teeth in your mouth to wait for that speech? Yeah, how long do you have to get there in advance? Is it like the Academy Awards? You're there three hours early? How long were you actually there? About an hour. Yeah. Since I had, this is something that I learned. Now, I had a ticket for the gallery, uh, compliments of Congressman Jody Heiss. Did your ticket say Yum-Yum or Union? It said union, state of oh, the God, union. We didn't get the we didn't get the union union. You didn't union, all right. Union speech, no. But here's this what this is what I didn't know. You know all of the members of Congress that are on the main floor, they don't have assigned seats. Really? It's a free for all. Yeah, oh, it's no. a free for all. Now, and I no, asked Congressman Heights, I said, uh, yeah, I said, uh, yes. let me get this right. Don't most of the Republicans all sit together and most of the Democrats all sit together and it's a free for all? He said, yes. They don't mix. The Democrats all go to the left and the Republicans all go to the right. And the way they get those aisle seats, they have to get there two or three hours early. For Hmm. us up in the bout in the gallery with an assigned seat, even though I couldn't see anything because I was in the corner behind a camera, I'm just saying. At least I had an assigned seat. <laughs> well, uh, the all-time champion at getting an aisle seat was Cynthia McKinney. 
Yeah. She would always be there on the aisle. I remember I was sitting up at a gallery one time, and she saw me sitting up there. It's a couple hours before the speech. And she, she just starts giving me hell for being there because it was a Democrat president. And uh, and I said, I'll, I think I yelled something like, I'll be sitting up here watching these speeches a long time after you're gone. <laughs> Touche. All right, guys, we yeah. got to take a yeah. break here. We got we got one more segment after this. It's our State of the Union recap roundtable free for all. Herman Cain, Neil Bortz, Mark Hay live. And we will continue in just a moment here. Stay with us. Top of the hour, I'm Chris Chandler here. Last segment of our State of the Union recap roundtable. Guys, got just a couple minutes, so let's make a go-round with last words. Mark Hay in Jacksonville. Uh, well, I mean, the speech again, you know, who knows when we're going to forget about it, but everyone's remembering it today, and so many great lines. Of course, you know, Americans are dreamers, too, was huge. That's a big takeaway. Of course, the press hasn't been playing that one over and over again, but those of us that heard it will uh, will always remember it. You know, I remember the, the round of applause he got when he said he was keeping Guantanamo Bay open because these yeah. are, you know, these are not criminals. These are enemy combat, illegal enemy combatants. And, you know, let's let's remember that, that when you're fighting terrorism and ISIS, you're not talking about the same guys who are, you know, jacking cars on the street at midnight. These are these are evil people. So there was a lot of meat, red meat for the base, but it was seen positively, not just by the base, but by independents and probably a lot of Democrats who are thinking, yeah, you know, it's actually a good deal for all of us this uh, guy's the president. The Mark Show, every day. Herman Cain, last word. Well, it clearly showed that there are a lot of good things happening with the leadership of this president and this administration. But it is also very clear that the Democrats are defending an indefensible hole. And I came away last night with the conclusion that Trump derangement syndrome is no longer a sickness for the Democrats and many liberals like Michael Moore. It is a mental disorder. That's what we're up against. But the good news is the the polls show that the independents are paying attention and they are not stupid. And that's how we're going to save this republic. Mark Cain, Herman Cain, thank you guys. Neil Bortz uh, off on the Bortz bus in Florida. We appreciate him and Dana Lash being with us as well. So State of the Union number one for President Trump is on the books now. We'll get the uh, TV ratings numbers a little bit later today. 30 million or so people is the usual average. That is nothing uh, as it was. Even 10 years ago, certainly not 20. Fewer people watching TV simply. The numbers have been on the decline. But still, this is usually the president's biggest chance to reach still one mass national audience. And you've just heard the analysis, the recap of how our hosts here think the president of the United States did last night. Our coverage continues through the afternoon. I'm Chris Chandler. Thanks so much. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.